Hi guys and welcome to episode 7. can't believe we're on 7 now, we're getting close to the double digits. Episode 7 of Forging Female Fitness. I'm solo, I'm solo guys. Uh, it's head coach Grace here, but I'm not solo because I've fallen out with other coaches. This is a bit of a, a, a one-off, a special edition podcast and you're going to understand why it's just me in a second. So this podcast today, number 7, is all about how I lost £156 in around the 12 month time frame so the best person to talk about that is obviously me so you've got me for a little while today hopefully it's interesting hopefully you take something away from it this is something that i've obviously talked about in person and given presentations on and obviously i talk about to uh, potential clients on calls and also in the studio when i'm coaching but it's actually really strangely never something i've recorded or put on a zoom or a video of any kind so this really is the first time me actually discussing this in something that's recorded and that you can listen back to. So it's going to be a bit of a strange experience for me, but I really want you to take away some of the things today that I've learnt, um, especially when I look back 10 years ago now it was, to that time when I did lose nearly 160 pounds. So it's just over eight stone. So where we need to start in that journey is is where it all started. And that's when I was 21 and my dad died very suddenly. So I was 21, my dad had a major heart attack. He was in ICU for 17 days, but unfortunately um, there there was no brain activity and uh, it was a very hard decision to make, but it was the right decision. So I lost my dad at 21 and I very much uh, was very much a daddy's girl. So um, a lot of people that knew my dad would say I'm literally his double. We don't, I don't think we look alike, but certainly in personality, I, it's taken me a long time to kind of see that, but, but I do. So my dad was, um, very outgoing, uh, very much a people person, uh, was always, uh, was always kind of, uh, the person that was in the middle of the group, loved to laugh. Uh, people tended to be drawn to him and uh, he loved life and he lived with a real uh, exuberance and that certainly hasn't always been me but I suppose over the years that that's kind of how I am I always said I would never when I was younger I was like I'm never going to work with members of the public that's literally what I do all day now and I absolutely I absolutely love it um so I'm very much a people person I love being around people I do love my own time I love kind of you know just having my own chill out time but I'm definitely someone that kind of thrives off other people. Um, always been the joker, even at school. So love to laugh. Um, and people kind of tend to want to be drawn to me, whether it's experience or personality or whatever it is. And I think that's that's a big part of kind of the for why the forge has grown over the years. Because obviously it was just me by myself for for over six years. So I'm very much like my dad in that way, personality wise. So. My dad was always somebody that was an entrepreneur. He had several businesses in construction and in, in flooring. And so for me, I kind of looked up to him as this, this man that was had this brilliant personality that people wanted to be around, that was funny, that was outgoing, that he never let anything get to him. He was, you know, strong inside and out. And that dynamic force in my life was then just very abruptly taken away. And what that also did was it took away my plans for the future. So I had a web design degree. I was about to graduate. So I was about to graduate and he died two months before that. And actually it was an, a, an incredibly difficult year, 2005, because 
in the July, my granddad died suddenly of a heart attack. In August, my granny, so four weeks later, my granny died suddenly of a heart attack. And in September, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. So I lost three of the main people in my life. It was actually less than 12 weeks. It was 10 weeks within 10 weeks of each other. And my mum lost her parents and her husband within 10 weeks. So just try and put yourself in, in my shoes and you've lost your dad and you've lost your grandparents who I only had one set of grandparents where it's so I was so incredibly close to. I seen them multiple times a week, you know, all the way up through my teens and everything. I was so close to my grandparents. And so that summer, my entire being, my life completely changed. And that sent me into a real spiral over the course of my 20s. So over the course of my 20s, from the age of 29 or 21 to about 29, eight years, nearly nine years, I ate my feelings. And looking back now, probably, you know, we're in a much more open society, potentially I could have gone to counselling or therapy, but it wasn't as open back then and it wasn't something I even knew of. And for me, I had to postpone all of my life's plans. I was due to go away and work as a web designer abroad. I had to stop that. My mum needed me. Uh, my my brother, Mark, needed me, who's special needs. Somebody needed to be there for them and earn money. So I just got a job in an office and just earned basically minimum wage and uh, pretty much did that for the next nine years of my life and spent my 20s eating crisps I've talked about before. I was a champion crisp eater, um, drinking a lot of Coke, um, eating some chocolate, renting DVDs when that used to be a thing. Extra Vision, Video City guys, anybody remember those? Uh, and basically not going anywhere. Got invited to things, not a lot, but when I did, I wouldn't want to go because of my size. I didn't want to see anyone, didn't want to talk to, talk to anyone. Spent quite a number of years just very angry at the world. Used to walk down the street. Uh, again, this is not something I ever really talk about, but you know, we're we're here. <laughs> you, you can listen. Uh, hopefully, you'll learn something. But I used to walk down the street and be. If I seen a father and daughter, I'd get very. I'd physically feel anger because that daughter had her dad, and why did she deserve to have her dad and I didn't? And that was pent up inside of me for a long time. I was very mad with the world that I had got this raw end of the stick. I'd lost my grandparents and my dad within 10 weeks. It completely changed my life um, and created this person who was annoyed and frustrated at the world, was stuck in a job she didn't want to be in, was having to be someone that she didn't necessarily want to be. You know, I wanted to be outgoing and confident and go out with friends and have fun and I was having to be the person that you know was the main earner in in the house and pay for things and be incredibly responsible and you know I would never change that but the life that maybe I'd had when I was 21 before my dad died and the life that I had they were very they were not the same and so that that moment, those moments, losing my grand granddad and grandmum and my dad, it, it changed me and it changed the course of my life forever. And I definitely emotionally ate for most of my 20s. So when most people are out partying in their 20s and dating, I certainly wasn't dating. And I definitely wasn't partying, you know, unless you count 20 bags of crisps 
in a bottle of coke and a two videos from Video City and a Friday night is partying. You know, that that's what pretty much I spent my twenties doing. So got to a point when I was twenty nine. Um and the very moment I decided to lose weight is an incredibly boring one. <laughs> You're going to be expecting some epiphany, some shocking moment. Uh, unfortunately, guys, it's really fucking boring. Um, and it just, I, I always, when I tell the story, I always wish I could think of something that was a bit more exciting, but I always keep it real. And this is the truth. So the reason, the very day I decided to lose weight, I don't remember the day, but I remember the date was June 18th. My February's in, in February. I forgot my own birthday. My birthday's in February. So it was not long after I turned 29 and I was sat at my desk in my kind of design job and I realized that I was now having to sit really far away from the desk to be able to reach the keyboard because my stomach was so big. And I had gotten over the years, I'd been in this job, so I got this job just straight after dad died to just get some money on the table and provide um and it didn't matter you know how much what it was and i because i had no ambition i had no drive and no self-esteem or self-worth i never changed jobs i stayed in this job for nine years and over the years at this job uh i had got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where now i was having to sit really far back to be able to reach the keyboard and it was literally just this moment one day, and I, I think it was like early morning. It was not how long after I'd gotten to work, about half nine. And I just looked down and I went, Grace, something has to change. Something has to change. And I remember ringing my mum. We used to get a break at quarter past 11. I remember ringing my mum. I lived at home, obviously, because I was looking after my mum and my brother. And saying, mum, you got through all the, all the junk all the crap that I have, you just got to do it. I've got to make a change. I've got to do something different. And mom was always quite concerned about my weight because it had just gone up and up and up. But obviously with moms, mothers and daughters, there's a bit of a fine balance there and saying, I think you're a bit unhealthy. And then also not wanting to kind of like, you know, upset your daughter. So mom was quite pleased that I had decided to kind of do something about it. Now, the first thing I'm going to talk about is when you're choosing to get fitter and healthier, if you have a support system, so number one, a support system, it will make things a lot easier. Now, that support system can come in various forms. So my support system were two people, and that was my mum and that was my brother, Mark. So my brother, Mark, special needs, he's two years older than me. My bad habits over the years had actually, I suppose, rubbed off on him. And he had gotten healthier and unhealthier and he was about four, just over four and a half stone overweight. And in a way, I felt very responsible for that because he always has looked up to me and a lot of the things that I get into, he gets into. So I love American politics. My brother Mark loves American politics. I got into CrossFit. Mark got into CrossFit. I got into weightlifting. Mark got into weightlifting. Um, you know, there's certain brands of clothes and I like there's certain supplements I like. Mark, Mark will basically follow me. He'll follow my lead. And so I had set the example of eating like shit, feeling like shit, and not doing much with your life. And so there was a real sense of responsibility there for me. So when I decided to make a change that day, I said, Mark, do you want to do this with me? Mark being absolute dude that he is, he was like, yes, I'll do this with you. So I had that great support system. My mom helped cook healthy dinners for my brother and I. She helped me pack, pack lunches. 
she would take us on walks she would come out with us she would do anything that she could and she still does because she's a legend mama joan is well known by forge female fitness uh clients um to really help me in, in my journey and my goals and having mark there was epic because we started the journey together and we're still on that journey together we still train together we literally train together today you know so um having that real support system can be massive no matter how mentally strong you are and resilient having people there when the shit hits the fan when you're feeling a little bit low that can make all the difference when it comes to being in forged female fitness studio you've got three coaches you've also got the support of all the other 50 plus women there so you as well as your own family and friends if you can create a really deep strong positive support network that's going to make a difference so the first thing that helped me lose nearly 160 pounds was support that's the first thing the second thing was starting slow so no overwhelming yourself because i was a 200 i think nearly 290 pounds size 26 uk size wise it's hard to move guys at that weight and unless you've been at that weight you don't really quite understand the difficulty of moving around living life is fucking difficult at that weight you know, I used to just move and I would, I'd be sweating. So, you know, any movement was quite taxing on me. So I wasn't going into a gym. I don't want to be in a gym. I didn't want to be seen. And this is why we have Forge Female Fitness, because it's not a gym. It's a small studio where you've got coaches who understand, where you've got a community of like-minded women. It's designed to be incredibly welcoming to brand new beginners, to people that are scared of gyms and PTs. But I didn't want to go into the gym. I didn't want to be seen when you're at that weight. All I wanted to do was like blend into the wall. I wanted to be the wall at all times. I didn't want anyone to notice me or see me. I never went clothes shopping ever when I was close to my heaviest. I used to buy clothes on eBay and online. So instead of me just going, right, I'm going to go to the gym six days a week and knowing, Grace, you're never going to do that. I just decided to walk. That's all I did for the first 12 weeks. So for three months, I just walked. Now, someone that's nearly 290 pounds, I walked the very first day I decided to. So June 18th, remember, actually it was a Wednesday. <laughs> I actually remember it was a Wednesday. Strange things that you remember. Remember coming home on a Wednesday because we used to finish early on a Wednesday. That's why I remember we used to finish at one. So finished at one because we worked two shifts on a Monday and Tuesday. Got home, it was a dry day because obviously it's June, it was nicer weather for once in Ireland. Went for a walk, took Mark with me. After a mile, my feet were incredibly blistered because my idea of movement was walking from the frit, from the sofa to the fridge and back again. So 20 steps. So I got blistered feet so bad. And for the first two or three weeks, I just got blisters after blisters after blisters. I remember taping my feet up, getting blister, you know, blister peds, I think they're called, you know, taping them up as much as I could. But I constantly got blisters. But it never stopped me because I had this goal. And I gave myself that 12 months. So by the time I was 30, I probably wasn't going to lose all the weight by the time I was 30 because I started in June and my birthday is February. But I would be in a much better place. So I just gave myself the challenge of by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be healthier. And if I can get the most of this weight off, brilliant. Because then I don't have to spend, you know, two, three, four years trying to do this. Let's just do it, Grace. And, and that's how I'm built. But for the first few weeks, because I had this goal... I just didn't want to let anything stop me. So I just had to work through the blister pain. And it wasn't fun, but I did it. And I lost a stone a month for the first three months from just walking. So start slow. 
if you're coming to the studio forge female fitness we're absolutely not going to let you come in five days a week you're going to come in once twice or three times that's enough start with what you know is manageable and you can maintain so for me what i knew was manageable and i could keep doing especially during the summer that year i could walk so i just walked the next thing i did so the first thing is all about having the right support whether that's coaches, whether that's family, friends, whether that's other members of the studio, if you're with us. Second one was start off slow, keep it manageable and keep it maintainable and fit it into your life. Third one is going to be understanding your food. And for me, that was actually starting to track my food. So I went from eating, shockingly, about four or 5,000 calories a day. So I tracked my first week and didn't change a thing. And I would recommend everyone doing that. Track your first week, don't pretend you're eating like an angel. Just track what you normally eat. Be very truthful about it. If you're snacking all the time, track it. If you're having two takeaways a week, track it. Eat like you normally do. But put it on my fitness pal or NutriTrek, whatever one you want to use. And you're going to see exactly where your calories are at and how much you're intaking. And so I realized I was eating four or 5,000 calories a day. And actually what I should have been eating was under 2,000. So after that first week and I got a bit of a shock, I calculated what would be a good manageable amount for me to eat. And I think it was around 1,800 to 2,000 calories. And I tracked every day. So every single day, weekends included, everything I had went into my fitness pal. And I still have them. I still actually have the same my fitness pal account and I can see my, my graph from, you know, when I started all the way until I kind of finished most of that, that weight loss chunk. And every single day, bar a few, were tracked. And that helped me understand the calories I was taking in uh, once I kind of, it must have taken me about four or five months to start to understand and learn about things like my macros, fats and proteins and carbohydrates. I kind of see where my protein was at and I started to understand that I needed a good chunk of protein, so over 100 grams a day. It helped fill me up and helped take away some of the hunger, which you're going to naturally have from going from 5,000 calories to sort of like 1,800 you're not going to not be hungry, guys. Like People go to me, Grace, you know, how are you not hungry over that year? I fucking was. You know, you can eat 5,000 calories a day for a prolonged period of time, take away, you know, two-thirds of that, eat a normal amount of calories, and not be hungry. You know, but I had to always remind myself, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain. Short-term fact sacrifice was there were a lot of days I was hungry, especially in the first two months. That's when it was at its worst. It did ease a lot because my body started to actually adapt that, oh, shit, Grace, we're not actually living the high life now. You're not giving me 5,000 calories anymore. So I'm getting a normal amount. Okay, I'm going to have to adjust to this. And eventually it did. And that hunger hormone ghrelin started to die down and it become became much easier because I wasn't having to deal with hunger all the time. First six to eight weeks, yes. I, I I was going to bed every day hungry. And sleep was a little bit interrupted because of that. But again, I had just had to remind myself doing this now so I don't ever have to do it again. Short-term sacrifice, long-term gain. You know, long-term gain. A lot of people want instant gratification. We live in an instant gratification world. They want it done. Boom. Now, I'm glad that was a good click. Uh, if you can delay that gratification, you will win. If you're always wanting instant gratification, guess what? You're probably overweight. I know because it was there. If you can delay the gratification and understand that your longer term goal is actually more important, you will get to your goal. So that third point for me was tracking my nutrition and understanding 
that for me to actually make progress, I had to understand where I was. So tracking that first week and then adjust what my intake was going to be as long as it was manageable and maintainable. That's quite a big, obviously, change from going from like four to 5,000 to like 1,800 to 2,000. Um, and yes, you can do that in smaller in a smaller way. But for me, I just wanted to go straight into the calories that I knew I could manage. It wasn't like 1,200. I could still eat a good amount of food but I was going to have to be much more mindful about my choices. The fourth thing then was starting to find things that I love to do to keep myself interested and to keep myself challenged and give myself variety. So after about three months, I still kept my steps up. So everyday movement was important. I learned that. So you have to remember, this is a year of me learning there were, I didn't really get, you know, there was no, I didn't have a PT. I didn't, I didn't go to a gym. Uh, I didn't have a coach. It was all me starting to learn. I was reading a lot of books. I was, you know, finding out a lot of information online and I was taking a lot in. So I spent that whole year just learning so much and making a lot of mistakes. But having that knowledge to make sure that I was really empowered in that journey. So one of the things I found after three months was, okay, I still want to keep walking because I know actually my steps are really important. But I want to do something else now. And I started to go to kettlebells and I did kettlebell classes. That's when they were like really all the rage. Um, and then we did some spin and then we would do some boxer size and some hit. And this was myself and my brother and I. And that variety really helped because after about three months, we'd done the walking and we kind of, I'd lost about three stone and I felt a little bit better. And actually I felt a bit more confident to go into somewhere. So we went to like a small studio. It wasn't a gym. And actually you will laugh. But the very first class, and actually we went to this class for about two months, the very first class that we went to and the one that we, we stayed at for a little while was the over 60s. So, um, like, God love those, that, those over 60 guys uh, because they never said a thing about these two 30-year-olds coming in uh, to the over 60s. But we went to the over 60s because they were so welcoming and they were so kind and there was no judgment. And they knew that this was just two people who were quite shy. They didn't have a lot of confidence and they just were trying to get healthier. And this felt like the best class to go to, to have that kind of really safe space. And the OAPs, my mom always says OAPs do as they please. But the the that older generation were just so lovely. And that kind of vibe, I always remember that, that kind of ethos, that vibe that we had in that class. That's what I try to bring to Forge Female Fitness is this really all-inclusive atmosphere. Nobody is excluded. Everybody feels equal. Everybody is appreciated equally. Everybody has something that they bring to the community that's important. And it's a safe, non-judgmental space for you to be yourself and come to. And that's how that class felt for me, you know, as a 29-year-old going to an over 60s class. You know, and they were all wearing like heart rate monitors and things, you know. And they were lovely. There was, there was you know, guys and girls, women there that were like in their 70s and 80s. And that's where Mark and I went for the first sort of like six, eight weeks. And then we transitioned into some kettlebell classes and some hit and some boxer size. And so we got that variety. So finding the variety in movement and not just walking and not just doing one activity, that massively helped and it gave us a, a challenge. Um, the next thing then for me was starting to look at 
ways that I could actually challenge myself in terms of goals. So once I'd kind of been on that journey for about seven, eight months, uh, there was a 5k that came up in, the, I don't know how we heard about it, but there was a 5k in Belfast. That's about an hour away from us. And it was for heart research. Now, obviously with my grandparents and my dad dying um, of heart attacks and actually 11 members of either my mum or my dad's side have died of heart-related disease. 11 members of our family have died of heart disease. The fact that it was heart research putting on this charity 5K, it felt this should be something that we try to do. So Mark and I started doing a little bit of jogging and actually we did Couch to 5K and I remember the first 30 seconds, even after losing a fair bit of weight, this is about eight months in, so I'd lost about uh, five stone at that point. It was very hard to run for even 30 seconds. My joints really felt it. My body felt it. But we had about six weeks to prepare for that 5K and we raised money and I asked everyone at work. Uh, Mark used to volunteer for a cafe and he asked everybody there. My mum would ask people at her church. And so we raised, I think, about... We, I mean, we were so proud. I think we raised about four hundred pound, uh, and for something to do with health and fitness. You know, this is from you know someone that was over five stone heavier. You know, earlier than the year, so it was massive. And the fact that we had that goal to work too, we turned up at that five k. It's that I have all the pictures from that five k. If you scroll all the way back, I think that was the very first time I joined Facebook because I didn't want to join Facebook before that. And that was probably my face. My first Facebook post was actually us at that 5K. Um, and it was monumental, setting that goal and achieving it and it doing something that felt worthwhile because we were raising money as well. So if you can build in a goal to your journey or regular goals, that will help. Okay, so the next point would be find little goals throughout your journey that you can push to and achieve and make them really really achievable don't go i'm gonna i'm gonna climb kilimanjaro next week uh that's probably a bad idea and is not achievable you know go can i walk you know 20 miles this month that's achievable it's maintainable and it's a goal that you can kind of work towards so regular little goals throughout your journey however long that journey is or however much fat you have to lose or what if even if you're it's not weight that you're looking to lose and maybe it's a sporting activity you're looking to get better in, regular goals massively, massively help. The next thing I would say that I really focused on, and this is something I talk about a lot when it comes to fat loss journeys and them just not being, you know, 90 days, you know, not putting a time limit on it, that it, it's it's a lifestyle, it's a change, and how to view that change. Don't look at the very end result. Don't get obsessed about the end result. If I had sat down in June, on June the 18th and went, Grace, you've got £160 to lose. Best of luck to you. That's going to feel like it's just huge, like it's overwhelming. So I actually broke it down into £5. And I did this. I had a little calendar on my wall. And every time I lost £5, I would put like a little stroke whatever day I happened to weigh in, put a little stroke. And every time a little seen a little stroke in the calendar, that meant that I'd lost five pounds. And I just focused on five pounds because I was like, Grace, 
you can definitely lose five pounds, whether that takes, you know, two weeks, three weeks, ever, you know, four weeks, you can definitely lose five pounds. And that seems like it's very manageable and it doesn't seem overwhelming. So I never, ever, ever looked at 160 pounds, never. Because that's a monumental task to look at. So I went in at it five pounds at a time. And every time I lost five pounds, put a little stroke on my calendar. And over time, you've seen the little strokes adding up over the months, more strokes, more strokes. And all of a sudden you're getting closer and closer to your goal. So again, that's a way of kind of looking at your journey, not obsessing over the end goal, obsessing over the process and the journey itself. If we obsess over the end goal, we always want to do it now, now. I just want to get there. Someday in class, one of the girls said, I just wish it was there already. Okay. If I waved the magic wand and I was able to give everybody in the entire world their exact weight that they really want to be, they would be back to their original weight very quickly because they have not learned the process of maintaining their weight. They have not gained any knowledge or information. They've just been handed it. And it, that does not work. Obsess not over that end goal. Forget the end goal. Obsess over the process. Obsess over your habits. Obsess over making the journey fun and, and having variety and challenging yourself. If you obsess over the process and over your journey, you'll have fun actually getting to your goal. And it will be, it will feel worthwhile. It'll feel positive. It'll feel productive. You're going to enjoy that so much more than just sitting down every day and going, oh, I've still got another 10 pounds to go. When am I going to lose this? That's really negative. You're obsessing over, over the end point. And when you get to the end point, guess what? When I lost 160 pounds, you know, yay, great. It's brilliant. I'm super happy. But now what? That didn't, that didn't impact me. Most people that lose over 50 pounds put it back on. The Biggest Losers, if you've ever seen the show The Biggest Loser, they all lose, nearly all of them lose over 100 pounds. 99% of them guys put it back on. 99%, that's literally insane. You know why? Because they spent the whole time in The Biggest Loser, number one, doing it really fucking unhealthily. But number two, obsessing over the end goal. They fucking hate the process. Look at them, they hate it. Because it's the process is terrible. It's done so unhealthily. But they're only obsessed on the scale and they're only obsessed on that end goal. They haven't fallen in love with the journey, with the process. They haven't invested in the process, in the journey, in their habits. That's the big key to take away. So when I lost all the weight, the fact that I'd hit my goal, I didn't just go back and put it back on again. Because it was like, cool, hit that, done. I was like, what can I do now? My body is so capable of doing all these cool things. On to the next journey. You know, and for me, I actually found CrossFit. Um, I'm not a fan of CrossFit by any means now, but at that point, that that's what I wanted to do and, and that's what I chose and that's what I became passionate about for a few years. And then it was like, what do I do now? And so if you're passionate, if you're passionate about the process and the journey and you start to love it and you find fun in it, it, all of a sudden it doesn't feel like you're not you're not looking at it as a chore i'm losing weight i'm trying to get healthier oh it's really hard you know what is challenging it can't be hard but if you can find a lot of fun in it if you can have a bit of banter doing it uh, if you can enjoy doing it 
man that 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 that's just it, it's just something that you want to do then it's not a chore it's not this oh, i've got to get to this end goal and never ever looked at 160 pounds and went that's my end goal that's what i have to keep working towards so the big one at the very end of this was find fun in it invest in the process i over the course of that year yes i lost 156 pounds but I found that I really loved being strong. I was swinging around a 24 kilo kettlebell in a class where girls were swinging around fours. And I eventually stopped doing those kind of classes because they were too easy. And that's when I found weightlifting and I really got into weightlifting and I found a weightlifting club and then I found CrossFit. And I found that I was actually naturally strong. I remember my dad always saying I was strong, but there's no way to quantify that. Um, but... I found that actually naturally I was quite strong and I, I actually had a really good level. I built up a really good level of fitness and actually cardiovascular wise, my endurance was actually pretty good. So I'd become a strong fit person, which was just mind blowing to where I was 12 months before. And it was because I had just fallen in love with the process of learning about food of enjoying food in a different way of understanding my relationship to food of finding ways to work on my strength and fitness that were fun that I enjoyed to doing and health had become second nature it had become a lifestyle that I was really passionate about and so that year spent falling in love with health it didn't feel I never look back on that year and go that was really really hard and it, do you know what at the time if you'd interviewed me at the time 10 years ago I may well have said this is really hard but it's funny that I look back on that time and I never look back on it as something that I did that was hard I look back on it as kind of finding myself and if you look at your journey in the same way and find ways to one make it fun two make it just a part of your lifestyle and your family's lifestyle three do it with people that you can have fun doing it with whether that's in a class of people whether that's with your family or your friends building having that support network that's going to make it so much easier four take the time to kind of learn about health about foods bust the diet myths understand nutrition you know, become more knowledgeable about how to lift weights, about what strength is, about what conditioning is. All of those molded together and make for a process and a journey that you will never ever feel is a diet. And it will never feel like a chore. It will never feel like something I have to do. You know, most of the girls that come to Forge Female Fitness, they want to come. They're not coming because they want to lose weight. They're coming because... It's, you know, their self-care time. It's an hour of banter. It's an hour of getting stronger and fitter, but doing it in a really fun way. They're challenging themselves. They're having a bit of crack. They're learning. They're getting educated. They're, they're gaining knowledge. It's not something that's a chore that they have to do. Because how long are you going to do that? If, if it's something that is a chore versus something that you enjoy, which one of those is going to win long term? It's going to always be the one that you enjoy. So that's the big, big takeaway. 
is make sure that this journey for you is exactly like it was for me, one of really just awareness of finding joy in this process of learning about your habits, starting to understand yourself more. And when I look back on that year, I see someone that learnt a lot. I don't see hard work. It was hard work, but that's not my overriding memory. And it's because I find I found some joy in what I was doing. And that was really the key for me. So guys, I hope that gives you a little bit of an insight into how I lost that £156 from losing my dad, losing my grandparents very suddenly to deciding to make a change, to building a support network, understanding my own nutrition, finding ways to have fun with movement, giving myself regular challenges, setting some mini goals throughout the year breaking that big loss into really small little chunks to kind of aim for and work towards and then finding joy in the process. That's really what it took for me to lose that weight. There is no, and there was, no magic pill. I didn't have a coach there to tell me and give me the shortcuts like, you know, four female fitness clients do now with myself and my other two coaches. So... It was a real year of awakening, of learning and going into it with a mindset of, and that's the last thing I'll touch on, touch on today, is a mindset of imperfect action. There's no way to be disciplined and dedicated and on the ball 24-7 for 12 months. It just didn't happen. There were days where nutrition wasn't amazing. There were days I didn't get my steps in or I didn't get training. There were days where I just wasn't motivated. There were days where, you know, weeks where I was sick, felt like crap. But did I always try and take steps forward, even if they're little baby steps? Yes. So I always had that imperfect action in at the front of my mind, even though I didn't know it and didn't call it that back then. That's what I was always thinking about, was always trying to take step forward, take steps forward. And I've talked about this little question in a podcast before. Whenever I went into, and this is a, an example of imperfect action, you know, at play. Whenever I went into a shop and I was getting diesel or petrol, obviously the goodies were always near the till, your crisps and your chocolate and so forth. Always looked at those and those would have always been my downfall, always lifted those when I was bigger and you know, got the diesel, but also got two bags of crisps. Always had to ask myself then when I was on that journey, are those crisps, Grace, going to help you take a step towards your goal? Or are they going to pull you back away from it? And that's a question that I kind of live with a lot. And when it comes to then imperfect action, there were times I had crisps and you know, I'm the crisp champion eater and that's, they're my kryptonite. Um, but I would always be very mindful that, you know, Grace, you can't have these crisps, but you've got to work them into your day. You know, trying to be perfect is never having crisps. It's going, right, Grace, for 12 months, you're not allowed any of crisps. Okay, Grace, let's see how you get on. How long can you last? Probably not very long. Whereas imperfect action is going, you're definitely going to have crisps out this 12 months, you know, let's not kid yourself. But let's work them into your calories and let's track them. And let's be mindful. So there's imperfect action. 
in action. There is no such thing as a perfect day or a perfect week or a perfect year to lose weight. And there was no perfect time to start. June 18th on a Wednesday in 2000 and I don't know when it was, 2012, 2013 at this point, I think 2013 it was. That was not a perfect day. It wasn't some magical, mythical unicorn day where I was like, Grace, this is the day you will lose weight. You will start your journey and it will be magical and perfect. It was just a rainy Wednesday that I went, you know what, Grace, is enough is enough. There's no perfect time to start. Start now. Next week you'll feel better. Next month you'll see yourself better. Next year you'll feel like a different person. But start now. And always do it with the, the plan of you're never going to be perfect, but you're going to do your best. So guys, hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight into my year of losing 156 pounds. Just get a bit there to digest. We got a 40 minute podcast just by me. Oh, yippee. Uh, unfortunately, guys, it's 40 minutes for you guys to listen to. But hopefully that's given you a little bit of insight. As I said, there's probably some things that I have forgotten over the t- over time and over, ye- over the years. If there is anything, I, I might actually write something on this. I have wrote a book about some of the recipes that I used. Um, but in terms of like my mindset, more than anything, that actually probably would be something good that I could actually get down in written form. But this is the first time me ever talking about it. It's obviously, this is just done in one take. It's not segmented. I didn't have any kind of idea about what I would talk about. It's literally just really raw from my memory. So hopefully it's given you a little bit of an insight into my mythology for that year. And it's all of the same things I would coach clients with now. And a lot of it I've learned from that year and obviously from the years coaching. There was a lot of mistakes made that year. And there were, you know, definitely things that I learned from. But on the whole, those are the things that I did that helped move me forward. So bit of a special one-off podcast for obvious reasons. It's all about kind of that journey that I had 10 years ago and how that really kick-started everything. Everything in my life has led from that weight loss. Doesn't mean that because you lose weight, you're a better person. I'm the same person, you know, but everything has led from that decision that I made. Um, And it's definitely been some ups and downs over the years, but I get to live the life that I'm so incredibly fortunate to live and so happy to live in because of that decision I made 10 years ago. So if you're sitting there and you're listening to this podcast or if it's video and you're watching it and you're going, I'm stuck, I can't make a change. You're literally listening to or watching someone who was also stuck And the only reason they are living this life now is because they just decided to start. It doesn't have to be perfect. It won't be perfect. There is no right time. I just started. And yes, if you can have a coach, that's going to give you a lot of shortcuts and a lot of accountability. But the main thing is just make a start because you do not know, guys, where your life could head to whenever you start to really focus on your self-care and your health. So hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. The next one is going to be all about scale weight and that is with us back as a trio, back as a threesome. We'll be back in our next podcast next week all about scale weight. We look forward to speaking with you then. Any questions on this podcast, 
just pop me a message. You can go to www.theforge.pt. That's P for pineapple, T for cherry. Or you can find us on Instagram at Forge Female Fitness. Have a lovely week, guys. Hopefully you've enjoyed this special one-off episode.